Armed with Truth is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Welcome to Armed with Truth, a podcast for youth. I'm your host, Lisa Bruneal. My goal here is to empower the youth of today to become a sin-resistant generation. You youth are bombarded by Satan's temptations on every side, especially when it comes to immorality, lust, and pornography. I want to talk about truths that can strengthen you, safeguard you, and bring greater power into your life through the Savior Jesus Christ. Let's get started and be armed with truth. Today's episode is all about the truths surrounding modesty. Ask yourself, what is Heavenly Father's personal message for you right now in this episode? The Holy Ghost will testify to you of the exact message Heavenly Father has for you right now today. Last time, we talked all about the law of chastity. So it's only fitting that we follow up by talking about the Lord's standard of modesty. We're actually going to talk about modesty for two episodes because there's just so much that I want to cover. We're all coming together to this podcast from a lot of different life experiences, and modesty is likely an emotional and controversial topic for most of us. There are differing opinions about all kinds of situations surrounding modesty, From dress codes at school, to swimsuits and prom dresses, shorts at girls' camp, and boys playing basketball without shirts on in the church. The debates over such situations can become pretty intense. Intense enough to cause hurt and shame on all sides. I've wanted to talk about modesty for a long time. I've spent time praying and studying and pondering this topic, and I hope that today we can talk about modesty in a way that is void of shame that invites all of us to feel the unwavering love of the Savior, and that encourages each of us to find personal ways to better live His standard. In order to do this, we need the Spirit to be both with me as I talk and with you as you listen. So before we really get started, I want to invite you to to do something called a set-aside prayer. I learned about set-aside prayers in addiction recovery meetings. They're There are lots of different versions of the set-aside prayer, but generally speaking, you ask God to help you set aside everything you think you already know about yourself, 
everything you think you already know about the topic you're discussing or the thing you are trying to accomplish, and especially everything you think you already know about God. And then you ask God to bless you with an open mind and a new experience within yourself to see truth. Isn't that cool? So for just a minute, say a similar prayer in your own mind. Ask God to help you set aside what you think you already know about yourself, about modesty, and about him. And then ask him for an open mind to learn new truth. Now I want you to think of a camera. The kind of camera that has multiple lenses that you can change out to adjust your focus and to create different pictures. The photo that you end up with depends in large part on the lens that is attached to the camera. With that idea in mind, let's talk about how we often think and talk about the topic of modesty. It seems like we usually just talk about the many ways that our dress and grooming affects other people, and that our bodies can be viewed in sexual ways, and that keeping our bodies covered is part of our responsibility to help others avoid temptation. We seem to focus on practicing modesty for the sake of others. This approach to modesty focuses only on partial truth, and it twists it just enough to create shame. Shame is the feeling that we are inherently bad or unworthy of God's love or the love of others. Messages concerning modesty that focus only on the desires of others can trigger feelings of shame about our bodies and feelings of shame concerning those who might be tempted by the way we dress, as well as initiate feelings of shame in those who don't choose to dress modestly. Each of these forms of shame are damaging, and using shame as a motivator fuels hurt, resentment, anger, and opposition. You might have personal feelings of shame surrounding the topic of modesty. You may have been taught about modesty in an outwardly focused way, or you may have just internalized the things that you were taught about modesty in this way. As a result, you may believe that the most important reason for you to dress modestly is to protect those around you from having sexual or inappropriate thoughts about you or your body. This is viewing modesty through a lens with an outward focus, a focus on the thoughts, desires, and hearts of others. Shame is not the Savior's way, and I believe neither is this outward focus. Now, I want to be clear here that I am not suggesting in any way that we should ignore truth. We can't dismiss the fact that the way we dress and the way we groom ourselves have an effect on those around us, because they absolutely do. To refuse to acknowledge this is just plain silliness. But if this is all we consider when we think about modesty, just the thoughts and desires and hearts of others, then we are truly missing out. We are missing out on the real reason for following these standards and on the most beautiful blessings that come from doing so. I'd like to propose that we remove this outward-focused lens and instead look at modesty through a lens that focuses both inward and upward. I want to do this by exploring the idea that the Lord's standard of modesty has way more to do with our own thoughts and desires and hearts than it has to do with the thoughts and desires and hearts of others. I'd like to tell you a story about socks. 
Yep, you heard it, socks. You may be thinking, what do socks have to do with modesty? Or wait, are there actually immodest socks? Hang with me here. My oldest son has a really fun and intriguing personality. He's always liked to do things his own unique way. It was never in his nature to rebel. He just liked to stand out and be a little bit different than everyone else. A few years ago, he received his mission call. We spent a lot of time, like most mothers and prospective missionaries do, reading over all the guidelines and papers, shopping and preparing, getting everything ready for him to go. We counted down the days, him getting excited, and me and the rest of the family getting sad and tearful. The time finally came, he had his farewell, we cried our eyes out, and he left. When he left for his mission, the trend of wearing colorful and patterned socks with dress clothes was just beginning. We knew from reading the guidelines and papers that trendy colorful socks were not recommended. But the guidelines for missionaries said something like, conservative socks in solid colors should be worn so as not to distract from your purpose as a missionary. My son was really into the whole wild and colorful sock thing. And he felt like with all the other rules and restrictions about missionary clothing, certainly your socks don't really matter. So he packed multiple pairs of wild socks. Remember how I said rebelling was never really in his nature? Well, he decided that while he was in the MTC, if someone pointed his socks out to him and asked him to stop wearing them, that he would be obedient and he would stop. But if no one pointed it out and no one seemed to care, then he would know that it really didn't matter and he would keep wearing them. After all, this was basically the only way that he could stand out, be different, and have any individuality. No one in the MTC said a word. When he got to the mission field, he figured, okay, here I am, this is the real deal. I'll look to my mission president, and if he tells me to stop wearing the wild socks, or if other missionaries seem distracted, I'll stop wearing them. I'll do whatever my mission president asks me to. But if no one notices, I will know that it really doesn't matter and I'll just keep wearing them. Every day for those first few months, he wore his colorful socks. He had plenty of opportunities to be around other missionaries and his mission president. So every time he was, he paid attention to whether other missionaries or the mission president were distracted by his socks. He watched closely with a lens focused outward. And it never seemed that anyone ever even looked. So it wasn't too distracting to anyone. And he began to think that the guidelines about conservative socks were kind of stupid. His socks were fine. After a bit more time in the mission field, the spirit began to work on him. He began to be humble and he began to see things differently. To see things with a lens focused more inward on himself. He began to realize that the only person that was being distracted by his socks was himself. When he was sitting with investigators, he was looking for them to notice in his socks instead of looking for ways to listen to the Spirit, to know how to help them learn the gospel, to progress, or to become like the Savior. And when he sat in missionary meetings, he was watching for other missionaries and for his mission president to notice and comment about his socks rather than listening to personal revelation, the messages of his mission president, and messages from the Holy Ghost. He learned 
that the real reason for wearing conservative socks was for himself. And fulfilling his purpose as a missionary wasn't just about the people he might teach, but also about the impact it would have on his own heart. It was about his heavenly father and his love for him. He was humbled. He wanted to change. He accepted that whoever created the guidelines actually knew more about God's will concerning missionaries than he did. He wanted to be the best missionary he could be, and he wanted to show Heavenly Father that he loved him and would do whatever he was asked to do. He packed up all of his colorful and wild socks in a box and sent them home. This experience with the socks went on to affect other things in his mission. He began to consider more closely his ties, his casual golf pants, and his beautiful blue suit that his grandpa had bought for him that was a little more blue than the missionary guidelines outlined. Some of the other missionaries thought he was silly and kind of going overboard. They thought it was pretty dumb for him to send his socks home or his pants or his ties or his suit. Other people at home also felt that he was being a bit too drastic. But all of these opinions could not change his mind. He had a new lens with a different focus. Loving God and pleasing Jesus had become the most important things to him, and he didn't want socks, ties, pants, or a suit to stand in the way of his heart. Because he had received personal revelation, he was able to handle the criticism and the pressure from other missionaries and people back home and do what he knew was right for him. Later, at the end of his mission, he had an exit interview with the mission president. During the last two years, he had come to respect, honor, admire, and deeply love this man. In the interview, my son asked if he remembered the socks that he used to wear at the beginning of his mission. His mission president said, yes, I remember noticing that every time I saw you, you were wearing wild socks. My son asked, well, why didn't you ever say anything? Why didn't you ask me to stop? And the mission president said, I knew that if you had an experience with the Holy Ghost, it would teach you way more than if I asked you to stop wearing the socks. And I had faith that the Holy Ghost would teach you. And it looks like he did. This story illustrates so many aspects of modesty. It shows that the Holy Ghost can be our guide and teach us truth, even concerning what to wear or how to groom ourselves. It shows that while your dress and grooming definitely affect those around you, they have the biggest impact on yourself. And it also shows that the best reason to follow these standards and any other standards, laws, or commandments is out of love for Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. When we are motivated by this love, the opinions and criticism of others cannot deter us from doing what we know is right. These are the manifestations of looking at modesty through a lens with an inward and upward focus. I'd like to look at what the church teaches in the gospel topic essays under modesty. And I'd like to look at it with our new lens, the lens with an inward and upward focus. I want to dissect a few parts of this essay and talk about each part. I'll read some portions and then pause to talk a little bit about each one. The essay begins, Modesty is an attitude of propriety and decency in dress, grooming, language, and behavior. 
If we are modest, we do not draw undue attention to ourselves. Instead, we seek to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Let's stop there. So modesty isn't only about our dress and grooming, it's also about our language and our behavior. And when we are modest, we seek to glorify God in our bodies. This is an inward focus on our own modesty and an upward focus on the way we seek to glorify God. Let's return to the reading. If we're unsure about whether our dress or grooming is modest, we should ask ourselves, would I be comfortable with my appearance if I were in the Lord's presence? We might ask ourselves a similar question about our language and behavior. Would I say these words or participate in these activities if the Lord were present? Our honest answers to these questions may lead us to make important changes in our lives. Let's pause there. The inward and upward focus here is asking ourselves these questions. What are your honest answers to these questions? Back to the essay. Prophets have always counseled us to dress modestly. This counsel is founded on the truth that the human body is God's sacred creation. We must respect our bodies as a gift from God. Through our dress and appearance, we can show the Lord that we know how precious our bodies are. Let's pause again because I love that last line. Through our dress and appearance, we can show the Lord that we know how precious our bodies are. There again is an inward and upward focus showing the Lord that we know how precious our bodies are. Okay, back to the reading. Our clothing expresses who we are. It sends messages about us, and it influences the way we and others act. When we are well-groomed and modestly dressed, we can invite the companionship of the Spirit and exercise a good influence on those around us. Let's pause again. I'm kind of loving this whole start and pause thing. I hope you are too. Our clothing doesn't just influence the way others act. It influences us. Remember the socks? Okay, back to the reading again. Central to the command to be modest is an understanding of the sacred power of procreation, the ability to bring children into the world. This power is to be used only between husband and wife. Revealing and sexually suggestive clothing, which includes short shorts and skirts, tight clothing, and shirts that do not cover the stomach can stimulate desires and actions that violate the Lord's law of chastity. Now let's pause. We may want to pretend that that last part isn't true, that immodest clothing can stimulate desires and actions that violate the Lord's law of chastity, but I think if we're honest, we can all see it and admit it. Revealing and sexually suggestive clothing does something to us, Yes, it can do something to us when we see it, but it can also do something to us when we wear it. And there are the words that explain what it can do. Stimulate desires and actions that violate the Lord's law of chastity. This is not just about the desires and actions of others. It's also about the inward desires and actions of ourselves. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the upward focus of our new lens by talking about the best reason to live the Lord's standard of modesty. Because we love God and Jesus Christ. We need to understand something really important here. Obedience to the commandments and following the Lord's standards won't get us to heaven. We can't actually earn anything by our obedience because 
No matter what we do, we will fall short and require the Savior, no matter what. And if that's the case, you might wonder, why should you do any of these things anyway? Why be obedient to any of God's laws, follow any of his standards, or keep any of his commandments at all? The answer is out of love. Love of God and of Jesus Christ is the best reason to be obedient to any of God's laws, to keep any of God's commandments, and to follow any of his standards. When we do these things, we focus upward and we demonstrate our love. And in turn, we receive the most beautiful blessings because acting in these ways draws us closer to our Heavenly Father and to our Savior Jesus Christ. It helps us to become like them. And this is our ultimate goal in life, to become like our Heavenly Father. Loving God involves letting God prevail in our lives, and letting God prevail includes living the Lord's standard of modesty. Listen to this quote from President Nelson's beautiful conference talk, Let God Prevail. When your greatest desire is to let God prevail, to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. So many issues become non-issues. You know how best to groom yourself. You know what to watch and read, where to spend your time, and with whom to associate. You know what you want to accomplish, and you know the kind of person you really want to become. Did you hear the reference to grooming? He said, when your greatest desire is to let God prevail, you even know how best to groom yourself. Loving God and letting God prevail means following the Savior. It includes obedience to God's commandments, to God's laws, and to God's standards. It is glorifying God in your body. Loving God and Jesus Christ combines an inward focus on our own hearts and an upward focus on Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. This is what modesty is really about. And this changes everything we thought we already knew concerning modesty. In the words of President Nelson, are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow his words, his commandments, and his covenants to influence what you do each day? Will you allow his voice to take priority over any other? Are you willing to let whatever he needs you to do take precedence over every other ambition? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up in his? Consider how such willingness could bless you. What about you? And what about the topic of modesty? Are you willing to let God prevail? What can you do better to let God prevail in your life concerning modesty? Are you glorifying God in your body? Are there changes in your dress, appearance, or behaviors, or language that you feel prompted to make in order to better reflect your love of God and the Savior? If you made these changes, how might that affect your life and your heart? Modesty oftentimes is directed to women and girls, but it absolutely applies to the hearts of men and boys as well. As we all begin today to better live the Lord's standard of modesty, 
with an inward and an upward focus, your love will flow inside of your heart straight to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And you will receive increased power to overcome evil and an increase of blessings, beautiful blessings, from your loving Heavenly Father. Today's Truth Takeaways Using shame for motivation to live the Lord's standards of modesty often fuels hurt, resentment, anger, and opposition. The Lord's standard of modesty has way more to do with our own thoughts, desires, and hearts than it has to do with the thoughts, desires, and hearts of others. Modesty is an attitude of propriety and decency in dress, grooming, language, and behavior. If we are modest, we do not draw undue attention to ourselves. Instead, we seek to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Our obedience does not earn us a place in heaven. No matter what we do, we will never be able to earn our way to eternal life. We will fall short and require the Savior no matter what. Love of God and of Jesus Christ is the best reason to be obedient to any of God's laws, to keep any of God's commandments, and to live any of his standards, especially the standard of modesty. Let's return to our first question. What is the personal message God has for you today? Is he inviting you to learn more about a specific truth, to make a change, or take a specific action? As you act on the truths you have learned, greater power will come into your life, the power and strength to follow Jesus Christ. I can't wait to hear what you do. You can let me know on Facebook and Instagram at Armed With Truth Podcast. Keep coming back. Heavenly Father has so much more in store for you here on Armed With Truth. Thanks for joining me here today on Armed With Truth. As we learn truth together, we become more valiant disciples of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a stronger part of His battalion, and a truly sin-resistant generation.